Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. R.C. Sproul once said, For a work to be considered good, it must not only conform outwardly to the law of God, it must be motivated inwardly by a sincere love for God. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we thank you for joining us today. It's a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what is our subject for today? Well, Rick, our question is, what happens to my Christianity when I go to work? Our theme text is found in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Poor is he who works with negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So, again, the question, what happens to my Christianity when I go to work? Now, look, for the most part, we all need to support ourselves. That self-supporting system generally comes in three phases. First is the education phase, where we are supposed to choose what self-support direction to take and then how to do it. Second is the work of making ends meet, which, for most of us, occupies the majority of our adult lives. In, it's in our thinking and actions in this phase that really defines what our lives are all about. Third is the benefit stage, which is hard to get to, but can give us choices and control of our time. Whatever stage of life we might be in, we as Christians are always required to carry out our beliefs and principles with us. We're supposed to carry them with us. The question then is simple. How well are we defining ourselves by our thoughts, words, and actions while in any of these environments? Do we look like and act like the followers of Christ that we profess to be. So, Jonathan, today it's all about being really, really, really practical. Yes, Rick, and also um, I was thinking going to school, at, if you're at that stage of life, really everything that we say applies to you too. Absolutely does. So if you're in school, you are not exempt from this conversation, not one iota. So, folks, coming up in today's podcast... As a Christian, we all know that we're supposed to strive for excellence. But what if you're in an environment where it's just lackluster? Do you show everyone else up or should you back off a bit? Also coming up in this uh, podcast, what happens when there's a lot of talk going on, extraneous talk at work? Who do you listen to? What do you listen to? Should you not be social? And if you're not social, isn't that being rude? How about this? How about what we say? Should we just keep quiet? totally just don't say anything would jesus have done that what about when things go off the rails and honesty in your work is at stake how do you handle that so jonathan a lot of things coming up one more thing it also comes down always comes down rather to our character so do we bring our best version of ourselves to work should we even have different versions of ourselves at all okay so that's all <laughs> coming up but to get started let's focus on what's in our heads and hearts long before we go to work. What does your attitude say about your Christianity? So, Jonathan, that's the place we're going to start. What does our attitude say about our Christianity? And to get started, 
Let's go to a soundbite from uh, Three Unmistakable Signs of Toxic Work Environment by Bob Sutton uh, Incorporated. And these are good. These are really things that you you, want to listen to and understand how they work. If you're in a work environment and you're wondering whether it's getting to you, here's the top three questions that you should ask yourself. The first one is, is my well-being suffering? Having trouble sleeping, um, feeling a little bit anxious, maybe having family relationship problem. To me, that's a sign you've got a long-term bowling problem. The second one is kind of career performance effects. There's a lot of evidence that when people feel surrounded by jerks or have a jerk who's really getting to them, that, um, that their performance suffers, they have trouble concentrating, they're less creative, uh, they don't go the extra mile. That's the second effect. The third one, and this is one of those sort of contagion problems, there's evidence that if you're around a bunch of jerks, number one, you're going to catch the, the disease and turn into a jerk, and number two, take it off, take it out on other people. So, Jonathan, there's three things here. You know, first of all, is my well-being suffering? Uh, secondly, is my performance suffering? And third, am I catching the disease? Man, he, he's, he's amazing because I, I can picture all of these actually happening at some time in my life. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, and me too. And, and we'll talk about some personal stories and actually some several other stories as we go through this particular podcast today and dealing with these things. So, Jonathan, let's kind of get started and, and, and focus in on what we need to do here. Reflecting true Christianity in the workplace by my internal attitude. All right. So my internal attitude is really everything here. It's got to be, you know, what what is what is the important thing on the inside? We're going to describe Jesus' work as his mission with the people. So we're going to be talking about Jesus going to work. Now, did Jesus have a typical job? No. No, not at all. <laughs> but he had work to do. So we're going to look at every segment. We're going to look at his attitude in his work. And his work was the mission with the people to bring them to the gospel and to plant seeds of the kingdom. So during Jesus' typical work day, he shows us what our internal attitude should be. So he models what we ought to be looking like at work. And, you know, before doing this podcast, I never pictured Jesus going to work. But, <laughs> but, but it really helps because it's a very practical application. So let's start with Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Let's just do 34 and 35 to start. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So Jesus tirelessly tirelessly defended God's character. Okay, He's being asked the question. He knows full well that that this question is going to be a setup. He knows that they're after him. They're trying to trap him. So you got to look at this and say, okay, what would I do if I knew I was being set up? Well, here's what Jesus did. Now, he knows he's being set up, okay? There's no question about it, but here's his answer, verses 37 to 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So, well, well Rick, I, I have a question. Um, that's 
when when the pressure on and you know there there's something going on, that's when you need to keep your emotion out of it. Yeah. But Jesus did. But us, that's not that easy. No. How hard is that to, yeah. to keep the emotion out? Because especially if you know you're being set up, it's like, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. Okay, you think you've got me. <laughs> I've got you. You know, and Jesus didn't do that. He didn't need to do that. What he did is he rose above the circumstance and he gave them the highest truth. The, and, and he stood above his enemies and then he placed his enemies, those who were trying to get him, in front of a self-reflection mirror. Because the answer he gives them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, these are the greatest commandments, he's saying to them, because they're under the law, so, how you doing with this? As they're trying to trap him. You know, it's, it's interesting. He's still teaching. Yes. I love it. Yes. He's always, always teaching. Jonathan, before we go further, um, there was a question that came in from the website. And it's kind of an interesting sidelight question. I just want to touch on it briefly. Uh, the question is, I recently watched a YouTube video about purging occult objects from our home. It made me feel concerned that studying natural and mathematical sciences is unsafe, but this extreme view suggests that any profession outside of divinity or ministry does not glorify God. So he's saying, okay, what do I do? Well, first of all, let's understand that mathematics and science are not unsafe. The Bible is mathematical. And the Bible proves science. So let, let's put that all in order. And then, you know, about the kind of job you should have. Most of us don't work in the ministry. I mean, Jonathan, you don't work for pay in the ministry. No, I do not. Christian questions? And, and, think, and think about the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Yeah. Right. So he didn't work in the ministry for pay. You don't work in the ministry for pay. I don't work in the ministry for pay. We all have jobs. And choose a job that is... That, that works along with your Christian integrity. Don't, don't, don't go to work at, at, at a casino. You know, probably not a good place for a Christian to work, that kind of thing. Think it through. Choose a job that has something decent about it and then work really hard at it. So, you know, hopefully that kind of puts that question in a little bit of order, okay? So here's, here's our next point. What if you just don't, I don't know, you just don't like your job? Do you believe that God will provi- uh, provided it for you? You know, and really, the point is, don't be lazy. Well, Rick, sometimes we learn Christ-likeness through struggle more than when things are going well, because we have more reliance on God. Now, if we don't like our job, well, that could be a good thing. Oh, okay. All right. Now, there's a curveball. It could be a good thing when you don't like you're your job. relying on the Lord day by day. All right. And see, now, that's, that's, that's important, because... Every job, you know, everybody in our world, it's, it's all about, well, you know, you want to find the perfect job for yourself. And, and it'd be great to have it. But sometimes we don't. So that's good. Proverbs ten twenty six is a good scripture. And then we're going to go to a, one of the, a story. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one of those who send him. Okay, so it's, you know, it's really giving us a sense of um, don't be lazy You've got to work hard, even if you don't like what it is you're given to do. We've got a couple of stories, Jonathan, we want to touch on. Um, both are from Christian Questions contributors. And so one of them is we're just going to touch a little bit on the story through each segment. And the other one we're going to interject as we go. So Trish is here, and she's going to be bringing those stories to us. So Trish, the first story, why don't we get started with that? Okay. My boss slash principal was a bully, and, and unfortunately... When someone is in a position of power that goes unchecked, it's unbelievably hard to do anything about it. 
My main strategy for dealing with him was avoidance unless I needed something from him. For whatever reason, my department in the arts was a specific target of cruelty, partially because there were many long-time teachers that felt that it was their duty to stand up to him. That in and of itself caused me a lot of stress because I felt that I should be as vocal and stand up for what was right. However, I also knew that by doing that, it would put me in the line of fire. And I really just wanted to close my door and do my job. Okay, so we've got a scenario where this individual is working in a school system and the boss is just cruel. And I know I have, I've had that experience in my past where you have a boss that's just not a nice person. They're not acting. Maybe they're a nice person elsewhere, but in the work environment, not so much. So the, 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 the conflict in this position was, I just want to do my job, but I have to deal with this hardship. How do I do it from a Christian perspective? So that story, we're going to visit that story and see what happens to this individual as they go through and try to cope with a really, really hard work situation. And folks, Look, all of us have probably at one time or another or many times in our lives gone through really hard work situations. So, you know, if you don't like your job, Jonathan, your suggestion was good. Well, you know, thank the Lord for that. It's a good way to, to learn and grow and develop. Now, but what if our job is in an unfair environment, okay? Is the God directing you to leave or are you just unhappy? You know, you got to ask yourself, am I just unhappy? Can I, can I, can I cope with that? Or, or, or should I leave that environment? So one of the ways we're going to be looking at the work world is going to biblical times. Now, we're looking at Jesus as holding a job, if you will, of, of being the Messiah and preaching the gospel, and look at his attitude. But we're really going to also focus on another area of society back in New Testament times that really nobody really likes to talk about, and that's the area of slaves at that time. 1 Corinthians 7, 21 to 24. Because remember, Jonathan, there was no middle class back then. Either, oh, you're right, Rick. Yeah, you either had or you didn't have. Mm-hmm. So 1 Corinthians 7, 21 to 24. Where, where, where were you called? While a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, He who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in the condition in which he was called. Now, Rick, uh, I had a thought on this. Uh, Usually, this scripture I thought applied to if you're married or not married, remain uh, in that condition the way that you're called. But in the workplace, seems to really, really fit. (laughs) I, I had never looked at that perspective before, and probably there's many other ways that that does fit. Yeah, you know, and, and so while we're looking at this, you know, the, the idea is that even if you're a slave in, this, in the worldly environment, if, you have call, if you're called to Christ, you have a freedom that other people don't have. And, and the apostle is saying you, you want to bask in that freedom. And, and, you know, there are several other scriptures about slavery we're going to talk about outside of, uh, of the context, context that you just mentioned. But see, sometimes our freedom will only be in Christ, and sometimes we might be delivered from the circumstances. Let's work on being happy either way. And I think that's the point. Let's figure out how to be happy either way. 
So, Jonathan, at the end of each segment, we want to do a workplace reflection. What's our reflection for this introduction to what happens to my Christianity when I go to work? Determine to be who you truly want to be before you even get to work. Okay. So you've got to figure out what you're going to look like, what you're going to act like before you get there. And that's exemplified in Jesus' attitude about just being the same all the time, the same on that really, really high level. So the first important thing is to begin before you begin, so your beginning will be strong and true. With our attitudes in the right place, what is the next step in being a light for Christ in the world of our work environment? We're excited to be hearing from our growing listening audience at ChristianQuestions.com through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also chat with us now during the live broadcast. You know what would be really awesome? If you can leave us a review when you subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and others. It helps us reach even more people. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing. Now, let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. It has been said that our lives are often self-fulfilling prophecies and our work experiences are no exception. The purpose for working is to be self-sufficient, and that can come by squeaking by or by making a statement of excellence in our approach and in our productivity. See, it all really comes down to the choices that we make. We can squeak by and say, well, you know what, I don't like this job, or we can say, I've blessed to have work, and I'm going to strive and be excellent in that work. So, so Jonathan, as we start this, this segment, we're going to be focusing on excellence. And, and a question, sort of a, a sub-question I want to ask at the beginning of the segment is, what's your statement of excellence in your workplace, or if you're in college, what's your statement of excellence in that circumstance? What is it? We're going to go to a soundbite, Four Attributes of a Workplace Christian by uh, O.S. Hillman, and the first one, incidentally, happens to be excellence. Kind of worked out pretty well, didn't it? What really makes the difference in being a Christian in the workplace? Well, I came up with four things. The first thing is excellence. God calls us to do our work with excellence. In Daniel chapter 2, it says that uh, Daniel and his t- three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did their work ten times better than anyone else. You see... If we don't do our work with excellence, we don't earn the right to be able to have a voice in the marketplace. And uh, if you do shoddy work, people aren't going to listen to you. And so let me encourage you that whatever you do, uh, do it unto the Lord. Okay, and and Jonathan, that's really kind of what you were saying previously. Whatever you do, do unto God. Absolutely. Okay, so um, as we go forward then, reflecting true Christianity in the workplace with my productivity. So we want to focus on excellence, on productivity in this segment. And now let's take a look at Jesus' own statement of excellence in the workplace. Now again, he didn't report to work, but his life was his work, and that's reflected in John 4, 31 to 35. And let's do just 31 31 through 33 to start. Okay. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? So Jesus' focus 
uh, you know, it's, it's like he's not thinking about eating. He's got mm-hmm. something, something else on his mind. He's being very, very clear and focused. He's on focus something higher than his followers, and his mission never, ever leaves. And if he misses a meal, it's like he didn't even notice. So there, he's saying, because he says, look, I've got food to eat you don't know about. And he's like, what, did you pack a lunch we didn't see? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> how did that happen? So Jesus has to explain it to them. And here's what he says. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. So it's, it's interesting because Jesus is saying, look, my nourishment is to do God's will. And look around you. We have God's will to do everywhere. Get yourself so involved that you just can't help yourself. So, so Jonathan, how about this? To do the will of God is our nourishment, or is supposed to be according to Jesus. I don't live for my job like Jesus did, because my job is not in, in, in the ministry per se. So how does this will of God principle fit into my job and its requirements? Well, Rick, keeping a high standard for our job should be our goal. Honesty, having integrity, uh, being punctual and reliable. Do all things as unto the Lord. Uh, the workplace is no exception. If God is our supervisor, we should be doing our best, Rick. All right, so, so we should be doing our best, but God's not my supervisor. But what you're saying is, yes, he is. Exactly. He if is you're the, doing his will, he's watching your actions, your heart, your mind. So my Christianity is being shown to him by doing my work that has nothing to do with him directly as though it has everything to do with him directly. If I'm making widgets, I am making widgets because I work for God. That's right, right. Okay. And I thought of an example uh, that we should emulate. How about Joseph? Do you remember in Potiphar's house how diligent he was and how Potiphar's house just grew and and became successful? How about in prison, in jail? The jailer put him in charge of all of the prisoners. How about in the service of Pharaoh? In all these cases, Rick, he worked diligently. He honored God in everything he did. Right. So... You have a clear-cut example and several scriptural clear-cut examples of going above and beyond. And that was the, you know, when we asked the question at the beginning of the segment, what's your statement of excellence? That's Joseph showed you his statement of excellence. Didn't matter what his circumstance was, he would rise to the highest level that he could because it was as unto God. So that's a really good place for us to begin this, uh, this discussion on excellence. So, how should a Christian go about their work? Well, Jonathan, first answer is what? I mean, what, what do we have to put in place? Well, Rick, we, we need a determined work ethic. All right. Before, and you know, work ethic doesn't start when you get to work and you look around and say, what do I have to do? Work ethic has to be in place before you get there. It has to be engaged so once you're there, you hit the ground running. That's what a real true work ethic is. 1 Timothy 5.8 is a good work ethic scripture for Christians. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, that, that's a harsh thing, you know. And uh, so, so what the apostle saying is, we of all people should be the ones who step up 
and step out, even if it's difficult in our, in our daily lives. Step up, step out, provide for your family. Just do that, because otherwise you're worse than an unbeliever. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing, because in Christianity, there's a lot of generosity. And, you know, we want to help and support one another. But sometimes it may not be the appropriate thing. If someone's capable, but they're not doing the work, that's what the apostle, I think, is talking about. I think you're right. So let's take a, take a moment here. Let's go back to the story about the, 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 the person working in the education environment for working for somebody who's really, really not being a nice person and very, very aggressive and so forth in the workplace. So, Trish, take us to the next part of that story. Things got worse and worse as my boss would push ridiculous policies that didn't make sense. He would lie, belittle, and demean colleagues and students. Many times it would be in front of only one or two people, and he would just deny any wrongdoing. You start to feel a little bit like you're going crazy when these terrible things are happening and there is no recourse for the person who is behaving in this way, and that would get me really riled up and angry. I'd come home from school on a daily basis with a laundry list of things that made me mad, and then I'd be reliving them all over and over again. All right, thank, thank you, Trish. Uh, you know, the, the, what, what you have here now is the, the, the true difficulty of when you've got a bad situation, what typically happens in, in all of our minds is we never seem to let it go. You bring it home with you, and you live it over again and again and again and again in your head. And Jonathan, have you ever had that happen? Yeah, and it, it's wearing, Rick. It, it's exhausting to have to live in that cycle. And here's the thing. You know, it's, you said it's exhausting to have to live in that cycle. Here's a newsflash. We don't have to live in that cycle. We need to find a way to rise above that cycle. The key is, how do we do it? Well, striving for excellence is one way, is one of the ingredients that we can do that. You know, you, you, we said at the beginning, uh, you know, start with a determined work ethic. So how else should a Christian go about their work then, Jonathan? Well, with a foundation of honesty, Rick. Okay, determined work ethic and a foundation of honesty. Proverbs 10.2. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Okay, it's pretty simple. Ill-gotten gains. Now, do not profit. Now, look, you can make a lot of money in ill-gotten ways. Cheating. Yes. Stealing. Right. Whatever it is. <laughs> right. You can. But what the Scripture is saying is they do not profit you from the standpoint of righteousness. And so, folks, look, here's the thing. If you, in your workplace environment, are involved in anything that's a little bit shady, a little bit underhanded, a little bit that something you won't put on your taxes or something you wouldn't tell your minister about, you better ask yourself, what am I doing? Because anything less than above board is everything less than Christian. And so when I go to work, am I bringing my Christianity with me in those kinds of situations? And Rick, sometimes we can rationalize our way into bad behavior, making the ends justify the means. No, 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 don't do that, don't do that, no, no, no. And, you know, we can be in a situation like, okay, look, I need to support my family. I've got a family I have to support, therefore, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. 
Is that something that Jesus would, would, you could take Jesus with you when you do it? No way. See, if you can't take Jesus with you, then you ought not to do it. What happens to my Christianity when I go to work? What's my statement of excellence? These are the things we've got to get down to as we deal with all of this. Let's go to another scripture, Jonathan, Proverbs 15, 26 through 29. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Okay, so, you know, the first proverb scripture was short and sweet and to the point. This proverb scripture was a lot more detailed and saying that, you know, we've got, you, you can't do, can't go with the evil plans. Plans they are not only bad, they're an abomination before God. You know, but, so, so there's illicit troubles, um, Anybody who, who profits illicitly troubles his own house. You're going to bring trouble to your family eventually somehow because God knows. And if you're a Christian, you should be taking your Christianity with you to work. It's far easier to love righteousness than it is to hate iniquity. But that's the standard. We have to do both. And, and Jonathan, I think that's where a lot of times we can, it's tempting to fall down. We love righteousness, but we don't hate iniquity with the same energy as we love the righteousness. And that reminds me of the Hebrews 1, uh, 9 verse, Rick. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God and your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Okay, so loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. So, Jonathan, at this point, I want to go to another story. Um, and Trish, with this one, you're not going to be reading it, but let's just kind of talk through some of the high points. Uh, so this story is from a Siku contributor, right? Correct. And so what's the, the, the basis? She works at a company. They're going to have a corporate meeting. Correct. They're going to be having an annual conference um, for their company. And this year, it's going to be in Las Vegas. Okay. So the opening, uh, when, the, when the president opened the conference with a welcome toast, this is what they said. They um, said the president opened the conference with a welcome toast speaking about our 60 years of business and hopes for the next 60. She ended it with how we were going to have fun celebrating and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All right. Thanks, Trish. And uh, you know what? That's a statement, Jonathan, that you know, there, there are certain lies in life that come about. Now, one of the great lies in all of history was Satan's lie to Adam. You will not surely die. No, that was a lie. And you see the trouble Adam got into. This lie, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, is the same kind of lie. It is a rationalization that is as untrue as you can possibly get. Because, folks, let's be honest. We all know that if we have ever committed an indiscretion, it doesn't just stay where we committed it. It follows us home, and it eats us up until we do something to, to repent of that indiscretion and to fix it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, not even close. Or, Rick, it destroys the family completely. Right, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen with this kind of thing. It, and so you know, this, this particular Christian had the experience of saying, okay, this is what we're, we're facing now. Well, Rick, dealing with, with work ethic and a foundation of honesty, 
I worked in a factory uh, years ago, years ago, and I'm I'm a hard worker. I I was diligent, and my the supervisor said I have never seen anyone do the productivity that you're doing in this job for 40 years. He was blown away. But Rick, the the people around me, you're making us look bad. <laughs> Slow down. Stop what you're doing. So Rick, how do we handle peer pressure? when we're trying to keep our work ethic honoring the Lord. See, that that's a tough one. And, and you know, I know my dad used to have that problem. He worked in a factory, and the people around him got mad at him. And, he, and his answer was, I get paid to work eight hours, and I owe that to my employer. I'm, this is no reflection on you. I just need to do my work. And he'd turn and go back to work. I so, love that answer. Yeah, and and so you know that's part of it is to say, look, I apologize, you know, but this is how this is how I think I need to do it, and and you know if it's appropriate to to, to put God in the in the mix, do so. And to me, this is God honoring, and you know we don't we don't we don't compromise because other people feel bad. Now, look, you don't do it to make them feel bad. You do it to bring honor to God, and you do it in a humble way. So, godly focus is the next point on dealing with our work environment, Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, and fear with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not to be uh, by the way of eye service or men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. Whether that whatever good thing each one does this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. See, so in those days, the apostles saying to them, look, be obedient to your masters, whoever they are, with respect, and do it sin- with sincerity. And, you know, when you're a slave, you're not feeling really sincere, like, I got to do this, I have no choice. And the apostles saying, do it with sincerity. And he says in verse 7, with goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Okay, so... Next, so, that's, so we've got, with a determined work ethic, our, our, we should be, go about our work with a foundation of honesty, and with a godly focus, and now we need to be, go about our Christian work with mastery, with a mastery-seeking approach. These are our statements of excellence. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And, you know, that's something that's really kind of interesting because usually those who work really hard end up standing out in a very different kind of way. And I know that happened to me when I worked in the shop. Uh, I started out on the production line, and just, I just put my head down and worked hard. And I ended up the general manager of the shop several years later. How did that happen? Because I just worked hard. I just wanted to do what I was supposed to do. And, and somehow or other, it gets recognized. Sometimes you get ridiculed, but it gets recognized. So what's our workplace reflection here for this segment? Well, Rick, diligence, honesty, and integrity are our requirements because God is ultimately the boss we must please. All right. Bottom line, God is ultimately our boss. Think about it in those terms. Put it in that perspective. It's really, really clear. So, working hard instead of hardly working is pretty uncommon in our day. What an awesome and exciting challenge. Okay, so we have to work hard because we represent Christ. But do we always have to be happy about it? 
You know what's great about subscribing to Christian Questions on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. You receive a push notification reminder every time a new episode is published. Plus, it's a good thing to binge listen to several episodes in a row, really easy playlist features, and you can auto-download new episodes to your phone every week. So subscribe today. Now let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. While it's not a requirement to be happy about our everyday work environment, we are to be contented in the fact that God has provided a way for us to support ourselves. And Jonathan, you mentioned that early on. We just established the importance of pursuing excellence. So now let's look around the edges at some of the non-production parts of work that really matter. You know, it's one thing to, to focus on the productive parts of work. And yeah, you got to do that. But what about the things that are not necessarily work-related, but the, the context of where we live at work? How do we focus on and deal with those things? Let's go to another soundbite, Jonathan. This, again, is from Four Attributes of a Workplace Christian. And this is the second attribute, which is integrity. And interestingly enough, that's what we're talking about uh, in this segment. You know, integrity, especially with what we listen to, will be our theme. The second thing is ethics and integrity. God calls us to do our work with ethics uh, and integrity. And, you know, integrity is what you do behind closed doors. Is it the same thing in public as what you do behind closed doors? Psalm 51 David writes, he says, um, that God desires truth in the inward parts. You know, that means that whatever I do out there is the same behind the closed doors. And so you want to be a person of integrity. All right. You know, sometimes easier said than done. Um, You want to be a person of integrity. And uh, that really means whether you're behind closed doors or you're out in the public square or you're up on a stage where everybody can see. You're the same person. That's, That's right, Rick. It's a battle between the ears. Yeah. Uh, we, we have to keep going back to north when our thinking goes awry and just keep battling it, ask, asking forgiveness. Same with our example. We just have to continually work at it. All right. So reflecting true Christianity in the workplace with my choice of what I pay attention to. This is a place where integrity can really shine or can really bomb, is what do I pay attention to? There are voices that seek to influence everywhere around us, and all those voices are not good. So let's take a look at Jesus' example of selective hearing. And and Jonathan, before we go to the scripture, I just want to take a minute and talk about selective hearing, because for the men in our audience, you guys know exactly what we're talking about. Right? What, you talking to me? <laughs> I, I didn't quite hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Selective hearing is picking and choosing the things that get through. This can be a really good thing if our selective hearing is selecting the right things to listen to. And let me give you a clue before we go any further, you get too excited. Your spouse is one of those things you're supposed to listen to, not shut out. That's correct. Absolutely. <laughs> I checked that one off the, the box. Okay. And Jonathan, that was the, really the right answer. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, Jesus workplace example, John eight twenty five to 26. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. 
and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. So this is interesting because they're saying, okay, they're saying to Jesus, just tell us who you are. Just, just tell us who you are. You know? And Jesus would, would, would tell them without telling them. And here he's showing us his selective hearing. He's saying, he who sent me is true. And they know he's talking about God. And he says, the things which I hear from him, that's what you hear from me. Now that is the kind of selective hearing that'll bring you a long way in any environment. Might bring they, you... did not, they did not want to hear that. No, they didn't. And they were turning that off. Their selective hearing was to not listen to Jesus, and it was to try to put him aside. So Jesus paints this abundantly clear picture. Carefully select that which will influence you. And, and before we go further, Jonathan, let's go back to the story of the teacher in the environment where she had um, this really, really difficult, difficult boss who was just, just angry and, and, and abusive in so many ways, and she's trying to cope and, and finding it really difficult. So, Trish, what happens next? I really felt that the negativity and toxicity slowly started to affect me as a person. It also led to lots of gossip, but the worst part is that it didn't feel like you were gossiping. You were sharing information with a colleague to warn them or keep them updated with the most recent ridiculous event. And so it was easy to justify my mind and to get wrapped up in the politics that I really wanted to stay out of. I could feel myself changing into what I felt wasn't such a great person. I was very negative. I complained a lot and cried a lot. And I was overwhelmed and really, really unhappy. Sunday nights before school started, I would feel sick to my stomach. And the morning before school started, I would get such bad anxiety that sometimes I started to cry because the overwhelming stress of everything. Man, that is not, that is not a pretty situation to be in. And, you know, I, I can relate to that. Um, you know, I, I at one point I had a job where... Um, the environment, I worked in a shop and uh, the environment was such that I ha- couldn't, the words, the jokes, the, the subject matter were so pervasive, I couldn't shut it down. And I got to a point where I started thinking in those terms and it was deeply disturbing and it really bothered me. So I know exactly what, what she's talking about with, with her work environment there. It's just, just a hideous thing to have to deal with sometimes. So, yeah, Trish, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to comment um, about this story. Uh, I really love this this person um, sharing this because as you're going through the scriptures about what we should be like, yep. I mean, let's face it, we're not there yet. Right. And life is tough. And when you're in a situation that is like this, it's really challenging to handle. And I think this shows our weakness and our growth in Christ that we're not going to be always right where we're supposed to be. And that's okay. We learn and we grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. And and thanks for that because this is a common story. This is a common story that many of us live every day. And it's what we want to do is, is, is bring encouragement to be able to live that in the best way possible. So let's get back to Jesus in his work example. In the next verse, he shows that he did not do all of the things that he was capable of. You say, wait, 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 what do you mean Jesus didn't do all the things he was capable of? He didn't, and he didn't do everything he was capable of for specific reasons. Let's look at Luke twelve thirteen to 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, 
tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on the guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So Jesus has the ability. This guy says, look, you know, help my my brother with this family inheritance thing. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, Jesus could have, and he would have done it right, and he would have done it well, and he would have done it justly, and it would have been the, the, the best possible scenario. So why didn't he? Because it Rick, wasn't... Go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't his job. Right. So he focused on the things that were his job. He wasn't trying to fix the world as it is. He was trying to bring individuals in the world out of it to a higher level. And he's saying, look, you're on your own with that stuff. Figure it out. Do the best you can. All right, so, so Jonathan, you know, how do we determine what voices to follow at work, especially if our employer may be sending compromising signals? What do we do then? Well, Rick, shortcuts, lying, compromising are something always to be on the guard against. But if your boss tells you to lie or do anything that goes against our Christian conscience, we need to proceed very carefully to remind him or her that you can't do that because it wouldn't be right. All right. And, you know, and, and that's an important aspect of this thing. You know, we can speak up and we should speak up. And sometimes it's difficult. Maybe it might cost you your job. But when it comes down to integrity, doing things right. And, and you know, I had, a, I had that boss I was talking about, uh, you know, in that environment. He was not a really honest person, unfortunately, at that time in his life. And it was really hard because he was looking for lying to keep things going. And he and I just butt heads on that like in a big, big, big way. And, 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 but but you, you, you can't go down the road. Sometimes you, you're right. You do have to speak up. And, Rick, I've talked to several Christians that had to make a stand contrary to their boss's orders. And some, you're right, they did lose their jobs. Yeah. But others helped convince their bosses to choose a better course. You know, God wants to test our loyalty to his standards, his righteous standards. And you're right. And, and that's such an important part of this is God is looking to test our loyalty to him because we are loyal to him first before the job, during the job, after the job, and when the job has gone into our past. That's where we are. We need to have our clearest loyalty. So it really comes down to selective hearing. Listen to those things that will guide you into that right way. Not necessarily the, the, the compromised way of doing things in a dishonest manner, but in the right way. Let's go to Colossians three twenty two to 25. And Jonathan, this again is another scripture about slaves. You see, slaves were common in those days, and they were very similar in, to the common worker today. And the Apostle Paul gives them principles how to survive within slavery and honor God. And if they could do it being slaves, we certainly can do it having choices as to the kind of work that we do. So let's go to Colossians three twenty-two to 25. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external services as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, 
For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So again, you know, the, the, the important thing here is that the Apostle Paul's talking to those in, Col- in Colossae. You know, he's writing to the Colossians, talking about slavery. Last segment, it was to the Ephesians, talking about slavery. Uh, previous segment, it was to the Corinthians, talking about slavery. So this is common. He's telling everybody, do things with sincerity of heart because God is your ultimate boss. Do it as unto him. It's the same. The apostle didn't just say that to one group of Christians. He said that to all groups of Christians. That's the message that we have to be looking at. That's the selective hearing that we have to have. This encourages full dedication with the assurance that any evil will receive its reward. Maybe not in this life, but it will in the next life because God does not let evil go unchallenged. And, and there, there is accountability. The Christian slave was to listen as unto God. And, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, what about things that were immoral in, in slavery? We'll get to that in a minute. Let's go back to the Vegas story. Remember, you know, what, what, start, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not true. That is not true. So, Trish, you know, with that Vegas story, um, so did, uh, let's see, did the, so, so they did, the corporate meetings that they had in Vegas, was that something they'd always done? Uh, no, they had a corporate meeting in their, you know, their central headquarters. This, they normally had it at their location where the business was. So they took a vote. This would be really uncomfortable. The department heads had a meeting, and they had to vote yes or no verbally and explain why. Okay, and, and, and this this Christian individual who's writing this was in that meeting? Yes, they oh, were. Okay. So uh, they voted no, and they were the only one that voted no. Everybody else wanted to go to Vegas. Yes, and the reason was because uh, uh, it was a, it had, it says it, perhaps it wasn't the best choice due to all the unique distractions that are in the city. So anyway, they did go to Vegas. All right, so they go to Vegas, but this one Christian individual in this board meeting is the only one that says, no, I don't think we should go there. Now, that takes guts. It does. You know, and everybody is not necessarily going to stand up to that. And, and the reason this person gave was, look, there are unique distractions in Vegas. And so without saying what she was thinking, they said what they were thinking, okay? There are unique distractions, you know? And what we started with uh, with this story was what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That tells you that it took integrity to stand up and be the only no vote. But they did it. But they did it. They did it. See, that's selective hearing. They listened to the integrity of, of, of Christianity and living up to higher standards and staying far away from these kinds of things. And they were voted down, obviously. So interesting story. We'll get to the – we'll finish that one up next segment. So, Jonathan, how should a Christian worker listen? Well, Rick, they should listen with ears tuned to a Holy Spirit-driven spiritual conscience. Listen – with a spiritual conscience. Not just your conscience, because your conscience is faulty as a human being, but Holy Spirit-driven spiritual conscience. Romans eight thirteen to 15. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. 
but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So it's interesting how slavery just keeps coming up. Now this is about the spirit of slavery versus the spirit of, of God, and it's a freeing spirit, and we've got to focus on that. And we shouldn't listen to gossip in the workplace, Rick, because that can be damaging to people. Yeah, you know, and, and we've, we've talked, done several podcasts on gossiping, and it is. Gossiping can, can completely destroy someone with an untruth or with a truth that's spoken out of turn. So we definitely need to avoid those things. And that could lead us, Rick, to putting down others to try to get ahead yeah. in the workplace. Which is not right. Okay, selective hearing. Listen to, to God's principles, not your own physical, earthly conscience. God's Spirit does provide direction. Listen to those in, the, in power at work with your whole heart. Really, listen to them. But if there's a need to reconsider actions based on Christian integrity, allow God's Spirit to show you, not your emotions. Don't let your emotions show you how. Let God's Spirit show you how. And, and Jonathan, very quickly, Isaiah 30, 20 to 21. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will not longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So we've got to have our ears open to godliness. And again, not emotion. A lot of times, Jonathan, we confuse our emotion for God's spirit. They're not the same. God's spirit is based in scriptural principle always. What's our workplace reflection for this segment? Pay attention to your boss by filtering all of their instruction through the filter of godly thinking and behavior. Godly thinking and behavior, that's our filter. So this selective hearing, this is awesome. Be careful. It all hinges on selecting godly input. Our hearing must be Christ-like as we pursue excellence. Does that cover everything? We're constantly looking to our listeners for your feedback on our weekly episode discussions. Let us know if you'd like to hear more topics like this one or new topical suggestions. Keep your comments coming at ChristianQuestions.com and our Facebook page. We're also talking about topics in Reddit, and you should check us out helping answer questions on Quora. That's Q-U-O-R-A.com. We're engaging in convo everywhere. Thanks for listening, and get ready for us to take a deeper dive right now. As usual, there's always something else to add to the picture. Thus far, we've spoken about being an example through determination, through actions, and through our responsiveness. What about the power of our words in the workplace? We just talked about the power of our ears and, and having selective hearing. Now we're going to talk about the power of what we say and how that affects things that are happening around us. So, Jonathan, to do that at the beginning here, let's go back again to the four attributes of a workplace Christian, and this third of those four attributes is going to be service. So we talked about excellence, we talked about integrity, and now we will listen to service. The third area is service. You know, the Bible says that if you want to be great among them, then you must be servant of all. And that's what Jesus did. You know, after all, it was the servants who saw that first miracle that Jesus did with the wine. And so you and I must be servants and serving people in the marketplace, solving problems. Okay, so Jonathan, having a service mentality is a really, really critical part of, of the, the Christian work experience. 
And, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing because when you think about it in those terms, you know, just like the examples we were talking about earlier, you know, you're getting paid for eight hours of work, work eight hours, give what you're getting paid to do. When you go in there with the attitude of not just doing what you're paid to do, but you're going there to serve, that adds a whole different level of care to accomplishing. You know, we can accomplish a day's work, but what's the care that we bring with the accomplishment? I think that's the next level of what happens to my Christianity when I go to work. So, you know, make sure your words, because we're talking about words, and here's my my statement for this segment, make sure your words serve a godly purpose. So, to reflect true Christianity in the workplace, with my words, let's go to Jesus. He spoke the things of God, and sometimes those things were difficult. See, his words always, always served a purpose. Jonathan, let's go to uh, John six fifty-two to 53. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. So... <laughs> Jonathan, what Jesus said. That's a hard statement. Yeah, and you know, and they took it literally. They took it literally. Like, how can we eat this man's flesh and drink his blood? What is this guy, crazy? And it's interesting because at that point, he had lots and lots and lots of people following him. And it says a few verses after that, that many followed him no longer. Why would Jesus do that in that environment, Jonathan? Well, Rick, he uh, was not afraid to say those things that were hard to hear. And some things... Some things hurt his reputation, for sure. Yeah, and so it hurt his reputation, but he was looking for people to follow him with their hearts and say, there's got to be more to it than this. Let, let, me, let, me, let me stay with it. That's what he, he was looking for those who really were going to have their hearts in things. So, you know, what Jesus said was hard to hear sometimes. Let's go back to the story of the, uh, the Christian working at the school. Uh, where she's got all of these troubles, and now the anxiety is getting so much to her that she's, she's, she's crying on Sunday night, and, and Monday morning going to work is just this horrible stomach gut-wrenching experience. So, Trish, what happens next? Uh, leaving that job has been life-changing in a lot of ways. And I know that people who have really awful, hostile work environments and bosses who are bullies don't always have the option to quit. I am blessed enough to be married and have someone else to support me if I wasn't able to find work right away. For others that are in these really terrible work situations, I encourage them to just get out. I don't want the environment and the people at my job to determine the kind of person that I am. And because I wasn't strong enough to withstand all the terrible things around me, it was really in my best interest to just get out. So she quit. She, she had the courage to actually quit. And you know what, Jonathan? A lot of us don't have that courage. We, don't, we, we just stay. You're right. Good point. And, you know, I, that happened to me. You know, I, I was mentioning earlier I was in an environment where it, it got inside my head, and, it, and I couldn't manage it. And I prayed about it. And in my case, because I was the primary breadwinner in my home, I had small children, um, another job opportunity dropped into my lap, and I ran to it because I saw the Lord giving me a way out. And so he gave me the way out because I couldn't handle it. It was overtaking my mind, and it was just too much. And I was so glad for, for that opportunity to get away. It doesn't always happen, though. Sometimes we just got to stay with it and, st- and, and stick to it as best as we can. So 
Let's continue now with Jesus. You know, he spoke things like you just mentioned that were hard to say, or hard to hear, rather. He also spoke things of God, always spoke things of God that were encouraging. His words always served a purpose. And again, how do my words serve a godly purpose in my work environment? Let's look at Jesus' words in John 15, 7 through 11. These are encouraging words of God. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So you, you look at the words of Jesus here, and you say, wow, that is really inspiring and encouraging. But then don't forget to go back to John 6, where he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You, know, you take the whole package. Some things are hard to hear, and some things are deeply encouraging. But Jesus always spoke the words that were given to him by God, and always had a purpose for what he was saying. He, sometimes, sometimes, Rick, they're harsh, and sometimes they're not. Right. But, but every time, it, 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 it taught a lesson. Right. It made an impact. Right, right. And, and, you know, that's the important thing. And that's the lesson that we need to, take, need to take from Jesus' example, is we should be speaking words that are encouraging and strong and, and have that, that sense of bringing the environment up higher. It doesn't mean you can't talk about the weather, or, you know, what you did on the weekend, or, you know, did, did, your, did the Yankees win or lose? You know, it doesn't mean you can't talk about those things. But what it means is let's make sure that we are recognized as those who have something different in our lives. Okay, and we'll, we'll expand on that in a little bit. Let's go to Matthew um, twenty-three twenty-seven because now Jesus spoke things that were hard to hear. He spoke things that were encouraging. And now he's going to speak something really harsh. This is his final attempt to get the attention of the Pharisees who were so far off and they were desiring to have him have him crucified and he was fighting for them by trying to show them the truth. But he did not mince words. Matthew twenty three twenty seven. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So he said they were hypocrites. He said that they looked good, but they were full of death. I mean, no minced words here. He went right after them. He said something harsh because that's what they needed to hear. So, so Jonathan, before we get into that in a little bit more detail, let's go back to the Vegas story one more time. So Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, not really, not at all, not ever, as a matter of fact. You know, the one Christian in the room said, no, we shouldn't go there, but they went, and the company went. So, so Trish, in this story, was everything, uh, you know, like peaches and ice cream uh, at the Vegas event? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Surprise. Mm, no, and our, our Christian friend here had to bring it to the president's attention that there were some things that happened there that weren't so good. And the president's response was, <laughs> hopefully no one else saw this and it stays contained. So, 
That's what happens when you go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? And, and, and Jonathan, it, it's, it's such an important thing to understand that you want whatever happened. And it was, it was a gross indiscretion. We, we're not going to get into it, but it was a gross indiscretion uh, by someone who was married. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And the idea is when you think, oh, I can just do whatever I want. If we approach our work lives as Christians and we have one little piece of that attitude in us, that whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas attitude, Jonathan, we're in trouble. Oh, for sure. We're in deep, deep trouble. So look, here's the thing. You know, Jesus said things. You know, it's about our words here. Jesus said things that were hard to hear. He said things that were encouraging. He said things that were harsh. Look, we can't read the heart like Jesus. So how do we know when to speak difficult or encouraging things? as long as we're speaking things of God, how do we know when on on those things? Well, Rick, I had an experience in the workplace in a woodworking shop years ago. And of course, it's lots of guys not caring about their words at all. Yeah. Um, Very crude. Well, one day, the most senior worker in the shop once again said harsh words against my heavenly father. I went up to him and told him, these words hurt my heart. Did he realize that he was putting down God? I wasn't sure how he was going to react, (laughs) but guess what? He apologized and really didn't need it. It had become rote, words that he didn't even know he was saying. After that, he was much more careful, and he showed respect to me, and I showed respect to him after. You know, that's a great, great example because a lot of times, you're, you're right, people do it by rote. They don't even know what they're saying. And, you know, the, the other part of my story, you know, the, the woodworking shop type of environment as well, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't take that environment. I went to another job. After about a year, I got laid off from that job, that second job. And the day after I got laid off, my old boss called me back. He called me up and said, hey, look, I want you back. I want you to come back. I've got a position for you. And in that year, Jonathan, the Lord allowed me to do a lot of growing up. And when I went back to that shop, I was different. And I was stronger, and I walked in with the attitude that, not this time, not this time. And I really worked hard, and I started out in the position he wanted in a matter of a couple of years. I was the general manager of the shop, and the whole environment didn't get perfect, that's for sure, but it got a whole lot better and a whole lot more respectful, and even the lying started to go down and down, 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 because God allowed me to grow up in between So you're right. You stand up for things, and things can happen. So here's a great verse in in Colossians 4 that that kind of recaps uh, uh, recaps what we've been talking about uh, and brings us to the use of our words. First, remember, it was our workplace attitude. Okay, yet uh, this is yet another slave reference, but this time to the slave masters. This is Colossians chapter 4. Let's do verse 1. It's about our workplace attitude. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So it's interesting how often the apostle talked to the slaves in different environments and said, serve your master with goodness, with good intentions, with your whole heart. Do it out as though you're serving God. And he says to the masters, look, you take care of those people. You treat them with justice and with fairness because you have a master in heaven. Don't mess with it. You are needing to honor God in how you treat those beneath you, those who are, 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 who are attached to you. You better do that with the right workplace attitude. Next is we talked about productivity, excellence. It comes from an alert 
and thankful approach. And that's reflected in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in an attitude of thanksgiving. Okay. And, and Jonathan, you talk about this all the time. You talk about prayer all the time. You talk about thanksgiving all the time. You know, in the workplace, what, what's, what's, what's the secret of those things? Well, I, I do that, and I also sing hymns to make sure that my thinking is in tune with God and not allowing worldly thinking and distraction and the flesh to rear its ugly head. So I try to keep myself in check by putting up barriers to stay in tune with my Heavenly Father. Now, do you find that doing those things makes you more productive? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just feel lifted, have more energy, feel more excited as I'm working that way. So as a Christian, then, your energy is attached to your spirituality. Absolutely. And see, that's an important part of what happens to my Christianity when I go to work. Make sure that my words serve a godly purpose. When you speak godly words, there's an energy that comes with it. Don't deny it. Uh, Develop it. You know, that's what we want to do here. So the third segment we talked about, the things that we pay attention to, the things we listen to, and that's reflected in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 4. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open us up the door for his word so that we may speak from the mysteries of Christ, for which I have also been a prisoner. Okay, so praying uh, that God will open up the door for his word. So this is talking about paying attention to um to, to, to God's word and God's will so we can see where we're supposed to go. Also having opportunity to witness with our words when opportunities open up in the workplace. Right, and that is really accentuated in verse 4 of this because this comes down to what I say, and verse 4 especially. Well, let's do 4, 5, and 6 of Colossians chapter 4. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech also be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So, several things in this verse, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. You've got to have that that prayerful attitude, that preparatory attitude, that godly attitude, so that the words that come out of your mouth are godly words, because that's what this segment is about. It's, are my words serving a godly purpose? This is so important for us to make our work experience one that is honoring to God. Uh, Jonathan, it's not just about bringing home a paycheck. It's not. It's about doing our work and honoring God God in the process. And, Rick, that brings value to everyone around you. Yes, absolutely. And it it brings value that is not quantifiable. When you bring a God-honoring attitude to work, it's an unquantifiable lifting of the environment. Proverbs 14.23. In all labor, therefore, is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. <laughs> Stop talking, just work, okay? <laughs> it's good to talk here and there, but make sure it doesn't take away from your work. So what's our workplace reflection for this segment? All of our words, be they firm or friendly, must come from our godly minds and not be mere expressions of the flesh. And again, we have a choice as to where our words come from. Let's make sure... They come from godliness, not impulsiveness. So, you know, watching what we say can be difficult. It can also deliver us from enormous amounts of trouble. Attitude, excellence, 
attentiveness, and our words. What else can we possibly need to focus on? We're uncovering the truth scripture by scripture while gathering information from across today's media landscape with our vast CQ team of contributors. We want to hear from you, our listeners, for more contribution to our conversations. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com or message us through the Christian Questions app and our producers may read your comments over the air. Let's continue working through our topic with all our tools. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together. Our final look will be into the culmination of all those things as we now examine the character that we bring to work each day. Jesus obviously was always pure in his approach, and we must strive to take what he did and said and what he was and apply it personally to the highest degree possible. Because after all, our workplace is our greatest opportunity for witnessing a Christ-like character in our life. Jonathan, we spend a lot of time at our workplace. We do. We might as well make it an incredible opportunity to witness to God through Christ. But that's a choice. Folks, we can just get get through the day or we can glorify God through the day. Which is it? Let's make the choice. What character do you bring to work? So, Jonathan, let's let's finish up the story of the uh the the the, the Christian uh, working at the the school and having quit that job because it was just too much. Trish, what happens at the end here? What, what, what's the, the final result? We are all called to be different and to stand out. And as uncomfortable as that is, it, it, it shines a light as to the type of person we are. I know that I have failed tremendously in the past, and I feel really badly about it now. But it motivates me to work that much harder to be better today. So, Trish, it's, it's not a story of, of grand. She, she's looking back and saying, yeah, I, I, I failed a lot. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't manage it. Mm-hmm. And, and her, her failure was a, she's not saying, okay, you know, that's an end. It, she's kind of using it as a beginning. Right. And I, I think this is so, so uh, true and real t- to real life because, you know, the Lord says he will not give us more than we can bear, but provide a way of handling it. And for this person... For their own mental and uh, physical mental health and spiritual health, he provided a way to leave. Yes. It doesn't always happen that way. Right. Wherever, whatever situation we're in, the Lord will provide that way to rise above uh, the difficulties that we're in. All right, Trish, thanks for those stories and your contributions. Appreciate it. All right, Jonathan, let's, uh, let's go to now the four attributes of a workplace Christian uh, and the fourth one is a little bit different. It's a little bit odd, but we're going to listen to it anyway. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You've got to listen to it and hear for yourself. And then fourth, signs and wonders. Acts chapter 5 tells us that the apostles did miraculous signs and wonders in the public colonnade where the people could see them. You know, Jesus never invited someone into the synagogue to get healed or to get prayed for or to, you know, solve a problem. He was in the marketplace every day. He was out with the people. And so that's a great lesson for us. So if you're a person who wants to be a model in the marketplace, you want to be a person of excellence. You want to be a person of integrity. You want to be a person that serves others. And finally, you want to be a person that does signs and wonders. Maybe God will give you an idea for a new invention or a better way of doing something in your workplace or just praying for someone. 
there are a lot of ways you can do that one. So, Jonathan, signs and wonders, that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? It does. And I'm, I was confused when I, I heard it bef- before this podcast. And I'm like, oh, so we're supposed to do miracles in, no. in our workplace? No, 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 no. No, look, folks, look, we are not in the age of miracles, okay? We are not. But what we are in the age in, uh, in is, is we are in the age of example. We are the, in the age of living and a, a lifestyle that's different, dramatically different from those around us. Those are the signs. Those are the wonders that we really want to be talking about. And the interesting thing is he said, you know, all the signs and wonders the apostles did were in public. Well, in your job, you're in public. What is the sign of your Christianity? What do you give others to wonder about? Like, what makes them so different? See, that's to me, that's how I reflect, take this. Reflecting true Christianity in the workplace with the actions of my character Let's go back to see how Jesus did it, Matthew 12, 1 through 7. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and went to pick the heads of grain of wheat and eat. But the Pharisees saw this, and they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful and do it on the Sabbath. Okay, so, you know, the Pharisees are always looking for trouble. They're always nitpicking what Jesus does, and now they're, you know what, they're like the people at work who are always criticizing our efforts for excellence. You know, and Jonathan, you said that, you know, in one of your previous stories, like, hey, you know, you're making us look bad. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, you've got them saying, well, you know, they're doing things they really shouldn't be doing, and, you know, what do you say about that, huh, 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 we got you here. You know, it's like, it's like... Adults become like children sometimes, and sometimes in the workplace, this is what happens. We get all childish in our approach to one another and when things don't go the way we want it to. And so here's Jesus' character coming out once again. Here's how he answers them, Matthew 12, now verses 3 through 7. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions. He entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath, the priests in the temple, break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had not known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. So, you know, it's a relatively long answer by Jesus. And he says, look, you know, in the Old Testament, David did the same thing. Uh, how come you're not complaining about David? He's saying that there's something bigger here than just the law. And he's pointing to himself because he's the Messiah. He knows it. They don't want to know it. But here's the interesting thing. So he's explaining things from a scriptural standpoint. So they can't really argue with him. And then he says, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion. Now, these are the words of, words of God from the Old Testament. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. So he's saying, you're missing the point of the things you're complaining about. That's how Jesus showed them excellence. He showed them you need to rise above where you have been. The excellence that Jesus taught his followers uh, to have was based on a higher standard. And folks, in our workplace environment, here, here's, the, here's the statement for this, this segment. Always be the you that is following Jesus. Don't be any other you. Always be the you that is following Jesus. Jesus himself was his disciples' teacher. We should deeply care and not just show up. 
And that brings us to signs and wonders. Go ahead. Well, Rick, I had a story. Now, remember we talked about how schooling is very similar to the workplace. Yes. Uh, depending on, on your uh, situation. Well, I went to a course, a five-month course on how to go into business for yourself. And there were 16 adults there learning this process. And it was a very open environment. And we were trying to help each other be successful. And one day, one of the students, this man came up to me and said, hey, I was wondering if I could talk with you. Could we get together? And I said, sure. And he invited me to his house. And I said, so, so what's up? He goes, well, I can see your faith. Uh, in the class, and I'm very troubled in my life. And I know there's other one other woman that really talks about Christianity all the time. I already met with her, but there's something different about you. And I, I'm I'm contemplating suicide. Oh, can you, can you talk to me? And I'm like, I didn't even say any words in the class to to witness, and but I I was just there. And he said, No, I need to talk to you. And I I shared the good news about the gospel about the call to follow in Jesus' footsteps, he instantly was attracted, changed his life, and, and, and started, you know, being the man he could be and following Christ. And I was so thankful that he asked if I could come over. You know, Jonathan, that story, it sends shivers up my spine when I hear it. And it exudes the idea of living a Christ-like character. And my, my uncle Steve was a wonderful Christian, a very, very powerful example to me, uh, in, especially in my younger years, used to always say, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. And that's exactly what you did. Wow. You know, preach the gospel. So it's about our character. Folks, we have to bring the Christ-like character to work. There's no other way around this. So the first thing we need to do is we need to have a character that exudes diligence, Proverbs thirteen four. The soul of the sluggard craves, gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. All right. You know, the sluggard wants and wants and wants. And, you know, sometimes you got to pick up the shovel and start digging instead of just <laughs> wanting. I want that hole to be dug. Boy, if that foundation could be, could be poured, it'd be great. Well, dig the hole. You know, go to work. Exude diligence. Be the first one, even if you don't like it. Look, the slaves in the New Testament were taught to do it as unto God. Surely we can do the same. We're not slaves. Thank God for that. We have a, a better environment. Even if it's a, a lousy one, it's still better. Let's be diligent. Next, we need to have a character that breathes godly contentment in all of our experiences. Our character has to breathe godly contentment in everything. First Timothy 6, 6-7. through seven. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. You know, it's interesting that godliness and contentment need to be combined. Because we can be godly, you know, by, 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 by showing, you know, a, a, an attention to God and wanting God's will. But we can be restless in that godliness. And once we are content knowing that God takes care of us even now when it's uncomfortable, that's what brings the great gain. You've got to put the two together. Hey, hey Rick, in the workplace, have you ever, um, you know, walked into a room and a joke, a crude joke's being told and they stop? Yeah. Yeah. Th that's proof. That, <laughs> oh, uh-oh, we, we better not say this yeah. joke in front of so-and-so because... They wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, and 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 there were times where I, where that would happen, and they'd say, "Oh, never mind," 
and they just you know sort of nod toward me, and you know it would be a little little bit of a dig. I just smiled because like I didn't want to hear it anyway, so I don't care what you say. I didn't want to hear it, so we're good. <laughs> Character that breathes godly contentment. Another thing, Jonathan, on top of diligence, on top of godly contentment, we have to be serious in the workplace. Go beyond what's required. Plow through the challenges and finish what we start. Second Timothy four verses five through eight. This is a huge verse putting all of these things in perspective. And, and we're going to stop a few times during this verse. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Okay, so there, there are certain things that jump out, certain words that jump out of that verse 5. What are they? Be sober, endure hardship, fulfill your ministry. Okay, be sober, be serious. You're going to have to deal with things that are difficult and fulfill what you what you're supposed to do be focused okay verse six for i am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come so now let's put this and i should have done this before we started the verse but let's put this in context second timothy is being written as paul's farewell address and he's talking to timothy his spiritual son and he's saying to his spiritual son at this point he's giving him his last focus for his life, for young Timothy's life. And in verse 6, he's saying, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. You know, and Jonathan, this, this comes alive to me. I, we, were, we were at a, the Bible conference last week together, and uh, I was talking to a, an older sister. She's in her 90s. And we were talking, and she's been a huge example to me throughout my life. And we're talking, and she said to me near the end of our conversation, she said, Rick, I'm fading. But as I fade, and then she talked about the blessings that she has had. And, and, and this reminds me of that. She's being poured out finally, and she's still in that right place. And it's just such, a, such an inspiration. So we've got to take those kinds of things and bring them to work with us. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, so there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of words in, in this verse, Jonathan, that just jump out at me. So the equation is simple. Fight plus finish plus faith plus future equals a crown of righteousness. That's what he said in verses 7 and 8. And that's what he's telling Timothy. Folks, bring this to work with you. Be the Christian you're supposed to be. Be that example. And you know what? We should not be anybody different anywhere else, incidentally. You're right. There should know what happens in Vegas, stay in Vegas. There should be none of that in our thinking ever. Otherwise, we are denying the Christianity that we are called up to. Um, John 17, 1 to 4, Jesus, as the author and finisher of our faith, he began, he persevered, and he overcame. Let's finish with this verse. Jesus spoke these things and lifted up his eyes to heaven, saying, Father... The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you have gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorify you on the earth and accomplish the work which you have given me to do. Jesus is saying, I finished the work, and now I can 
go to the Father. You know, and that's such a beautiful picture. And he's saying that you gave me these followers and they, I want them to be with me. He prayed in John 17 for us. But he's saying, Father, I've done the work. I finished the job. I went to work and I did exactly what I was supposed to and excelled in that. Folks, that's our example. That's the character that we need to follow. Jonathan, what is our last workplace reflection before we finish this discussion up? Your character will inevitably reveal who you are in the workplace or anywhere else. What type of person is your character describing? And see, Jonathan, we need to take that last phrase. What type of person is your character describing? And we need to really think about that. What do people see when I go to work, when I'm in my leisure time, when I'm wherever? What do they see in me? Because what they see in me in those times is what I'm reflecting. And oftentimes, if what we're reflecting is not what we're supposed to reflect, is not our Christianity, we've got to ask ourselves, what am I doing? Folks, it's so easy to leave your Christianity behind when you go to work. And we urge you, according to the scriptures and the principles and the stories and the conversation today, don't do that. Take your Christianity with you. Let it shine. It doesn't always have to shine through words. It shines through our actions. It shines through our diligence, through our integrity, through our mercy, through our, through our understanding. And let's be the kind of worker that people look at and say, there's something special in a good way about that. I may not like them, but there's something special about that person. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. It really is all about bringing your Christianity with you because that's who you are. Till next week, think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes, in Google Play, in Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, oh, you want to you want to be here for this one. Coming up next week, is the Bible behind the times on hashtag MeToo? What do you think? We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>